0: I'd like to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. I'm Pastor Otis Barnett of Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. We are doing a series of messages on the Holy Spirit. One of the distinguishing marks of a Christian is the presence and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God we believe that God is calling all of us to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit and our prayer for you is that God will move powerfully as you apply these principles to your everyday life if you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church please visit us at our website at Inverness Calvary Well, who's ready to hear from God's Word? Come on, I love, I love, I love what God has been doing as we have been in this series on Holy Spirit. We've been looking deeply into the topic of the Holy Spirit. And um and we're gonna be wrapping up this uh this series this week and uh and there there's there's really much to be to be said. If you didn't get to listen to all of the messages please go online invernesscalvary.com and you can or you can subscribe to our podcast. They'll come right to your phone. And today uh, I I as we're we're finishing up I want you to to understand that there are a couple of things that I want as major takeaways from this series. So you could like literally walk around and when you think about Holy Spirit, there's a few things that I want to come to mind. The, the very first thing is this. You are called to have a relationship with the holy spirit you're called to have a relationship with him you see romans 8:14 says that for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god there is a real relationship with the holy spirit it is and, and by the way it isn't something that you're not Uh, aware of. It's not like you just, you're unaware that you're being led by God, although that does happen from time to time. This is actually talking about a day-to-day awareness that I am in relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my life, and I am being led by Him. Why? Because I have been made a son or daughter of God by the grace of Jesus Christ. That is good news. We as the church have to lay hold of this truth. There are there, are enti- there, are, there are companies and companies of churches that, that really have abandoned uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to be that church. I don't want you to be that kind of son or daughter that abandons a real living relationship with the Holy Spirit because that is what the scriptures promise. And it says that this should be a distinguishing mark of our life. And just for the sake of clarity, I'm going to say this again. This is another one of these takeaways that I want you to hold with you. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not just a force or a power or a will of the Father. The Holy Spirit is God. No matter what Jehovah's Witnesses tell you, that He's just a a, a force, that that is a heresy. It is absolute heresy. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You could just preach that. We could just spend time on that. But I want you to understand, don't skip the first part of the verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's God, and much, uh, much, much of the church is uncomfortable with the topic of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I want to confront that feeling because who's uncomfortable with God? I'm not. Un- I'm a son. I'm not uncomfortable with God, and you shouldn't be either. Now, today we're 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 going to talk about one of the most controversial discussed topics—the one that everybody wants to ask a question about, and 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 uh, and always brings up. I mean, it, you know, that people don't want to talk about love. People don't want to talk about faith. They don't want to. If they hear that you go to one of those churches, they want to talk about one thing tongues. They want to talk about tongues. Okay. They, that's all they want to talk about is tongues. And, and so I, I want to, today I'm going to be giving you and putting on the teacher hat uh, um, a, a bit. And we're going to, I'm going to share with you a message called Holy Spirit, the grace of tongues, the grace of tongues. And, and, and I want us to just say a couple things. And if you're making notes, I want you to take this down. Oh, and I, I, this is the way that I'm going to explain this to you because, uh, uh, I, I've had a lot of people say, you know, I was sitting in your sermon and man, I got it all. And then I went and ate lunch. I forgot everything you said, and I was really convinced in the service. But then I got out there, and someone asked me, and I was like, Oh, you could listen to the podcast, you know? And so I want you to carry, uh, this from a scriptural point of view, and, and so that we can understand, uh, tongues from a, a completely scriptural, um, uh, mindset. And I, the thing that I want you to understand from the very beginning is that there is a gift of tongues and then I'm going to say it this way. There is a grace of tongues. There is a gift of tongues and the gift of tongues it is a message from God to the whole church that demands interpretation. That is the Bible. That is the that, that, that if somebody gives a message in a tongue from God to the whole church, that has to be interpreted. And if, and if it's not interpreted, then it was uh, uh, one of a couple things. Probably somebody getting really excited and uh, usually overstepping in the flesh. Now, that's the gift of tongues. I want to say it this way. The grace of tongues is a prayer language that's for everyone. The grace of tongues is, is, is something that is for everyone. Now, um, here's why I worded it that way. The word for gift in First Corinthians, chapter 12 and chapter 14, is this word uh, uh, charisma. And it literally means grace, gift. It means grace, charis, and the ma means given. And so it means grace, gift. So tongues is both a grace and a gift. Matter of fact, I think years ago I spoke a message called, um, Is He Charismatic? Talking about the Holy Spirit. Because we all get ideas about what it means to be charismatic. We think, you know, I, I don't know where people come up with these statements. Oh, you're from one of those charismatic churches, like you're swinging from ceiling fans. Now, the, the funny thing is, is years ago in here, we did have ceiling fans. And we took them down. <laughs> uh, not because of that reputation. But, but people say all kinds of weird things. By the way... Scripturally speaking, every believer is charismatic. The reason is, is the Scripture tells us each and every one of us has a gift from God. And if you've ever received a gift from God, that in the Greek means you're charismatic. So if somebody asks you, are you charismatic? That's like saying, are you Christian? Every Christian has and carries a gift, but we, we know what people are trying to say. That means, are you part of a church where there's out-of-control services and, and uh, there's no preaching and, and, and that kind of thing. You know, people are trying to, to just um, try to excuse the absence of a move of God in their own life. And that comes from a lot of different perspectives. So, I want you to remember that there's a gift and there's a grace. Now, grace, as you know already, is for everyone. That's how you can remember this. It's it's not God's will that any would perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, grace is for everyone, but the gift, is for a, a few in the church who God calls as the Spirit leads them to give a message in tongues, and then it demands an interpretation of what God is saying, and we'll talk about why. Now, uh, you say, well, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Do you have any other biblical proof of that? I, well, the other biblical proof would simply be this. In the Scriptures, there is a gift of giving. There is a gift of giving. But just because you don't have the gift of giving, does that mean that you now are allowed to be stingy? So the gift of giving is supernatural overflow, sacrificial giving. It's a gift to the body of Christ. But the whole body is to walk in the grace of being generous. Do you see the connection? There is, a, there is a grace and there is a gift. Now, let me, uh, let me just uh, start today by saying there's three things that I want to say to you. And I want you to go to the Scriptures. Go to the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures say about what I'm about to teach you today. Because the first point is the grace of tongues is scriptural. The grace of tongues is scriptural. First Corinthians 14, 2, it says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Do you see that? Does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, note these words, in the spirit, he speaks Mysteries. Notice who the message is directed toward in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Who's it directed toward? He does not speak to men, but to God. Remember what I just said, that the gift of tongues, when it's given to the whole body, it's given to the whole body. But there is also this grace of tongues, which is us speaking to God. It's us speaking to God. Now, get, now this is real basic, and you can answer me. This is not a trick question. What is it called when a Christian speaks to God? Prayer. It's called prayer. That's why the grace of tongues is called a prayer language. It's us speaking to God. And Paul uses these specific words in the Spirit. Now let's look at verse 14. You can turn to 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and we're going to look at all of these different descriptions of prayer when it comes to this grace of tongues. It says, for if I pray. Now there it's very, cl- very clear. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray, notice this, with the spirit. What's he saying? I'm going to pray in tongues. And I'm going to pray with my understanding. What's that mean? In your first natural language. He says, I'm going to pray, and for us it would be English or Southern. We're going to pray in Southern. But he says here, he says, I'm also going to pray in the Spirit. Now I want you to notice something. He says, when you're praying in the Spirit, he he says, my understanding is unfruitful. You say, I don't understand what I'm praying, when I'm praying in the Spirit. Well, you're walking in the Scriptures. It says your understanding is unfruitful. It says, man, we don't get what we're praying when we're praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, we can ask Him, and we can even, I believe, direct prayers. I mean, Lord, I have this situation going on, and I'm going to pray in the Spirit over that situation. And we just simply pray in a tongue. That message to God doesn't need to be interpreted. Notice, let's keep going. He says, I will sing with the Spirit. What's he talking about there? It's the same subject. He's singing in tongues. He's singing in tongues with the Spirit. He is singing, which is a prayer in song. That's what this is. It's a praise of God. He says, so I'm going to sing with the Spirit, and I'm also going to sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, notice that word. How many of you have ever said, said this? Let's bless the food. What's it talking about? It's Again, it's talking about prayer. Speaking to God, if I bless with the Spirit, how will the one who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your, listen to this, giving of thanks? What is giving of thanks? Well, you, you might call it returning thanks. It's another way of saying prayer. It's prayer. And it's scriptural. Since he does not understand what you say. He says, if you bless, and this is talking about, um, that there needs to be some some parameters. He said, listen to verse 17. For indeed, you're praying, giving thanks well, but the other is not edified. He's saying in the church, he's saying in the church, when God's giving a message to everyone, we want everybody to be edified. It is scriptural. And he calls praying in tongues with the Spirit, in the Spirit. And he and he makes some really bold statements. And in verse 18, the very next verse, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. What a radical statement. By the way, he's writing this letter to the Corinthians, not because they were the only ones operating in this, this gift of tongues, this grace of tongues, uh, but, but but they were the only church abusing it. They were getting things out of order. So this is the Paul actually setting things in order. Verse 39 says, listen, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. I grew up in a church that forbid it. I really did. And I'm not I'm not putting any judgment on there. But this has got to be a scary verse when you read this, it's got to be, it's got to be blindness to this verse. It's got to be complete blindness. And, and I I know that, that, that some people really try to reject it or they say, well, we're not really going to teach it because we believe it confuses people. And I'm going to make this statement again, confusion in the church only flourishes in the absence of biblical teaching and pastoral responsibility. It only flourishes where the Bible is not taught and where pastors don't take their responsibility. I know that, for some people in the room today, it may make you a little bit uncomfortable that we're we're talking about this grace of tongues. But listen, I have a responsibility to teach God's word. I have a responsibility to lead this congregation into what we feel like God is aiming us uh, as he aims us at Citrus County. And so I believe he wants all of us to walk in the fullness of everything that is offered in the scriptures. And so whether or not somebody disagrees on this point or that makes no difference to me. I feel like I have to teach God's Word and I have to be responsible to what the Word is saying and how how anyone or everyone responds makes no difference at all. It has to do... Let's, <laughs> it has to do with, I don't want you confused... The apostle Paul said these words, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Ignorant does, it's not an insult. It just literally means you don't know. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. But for years, I was ignorant, and I'll tell you that story a little later. It's scriptural. And I want to just follow that up with the grace of tongues is a benefit. It is a benefit of being in God's kingdom and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now this word, but, that's right there in the middle, could be on the other hand, that's exactly how that word, but is translated, translated in some more modern, uh, translations. And so this is what you need to understand. When you are praying in the spirit, you are edifying yourself. The word edify simply means this. I am building myself up spiritually. I am building myself up spiritually. And uh, on the other hand, in the church, where there are many, and oftentimes people who come in uh, uninformed, when someone operates in prophecy, where they literally are speaking forth the heart and mind and counsel of God in accordance to God's word, here's what happens. The church is built up. And that's what the Apostle Paul says he says man when we're in our gatherings I would that you would you, you you would speak just five words of prophecy rather than 10,000 words in a tongue and only the person speaking get edified. That's what that is saying. It's not trying to disregard it as a gift. It's actually trying to give the proper placement of it and the proper perspective that it is a benefit to a believer. Well, why don't, let me me just change um, topics here for those maybe who are having a little bit of trouble with this. Let me say it this way those who read the Bible in private build themselves up. Those who open God's Word and read it publicly to the church, build the church up. Doesn't that make sense? That makes complete sense. You're like, oh yeah, that's it. Well, this is exactly how it works with this grace of tongues. And I want you to see this. From Ephesians chapter 6, most of us know it uh, uh, as the passage where we hear about the armor of God. And um, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 says this, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to notice, um, now I wasn't the best English student. But right after God, there is not a period, there is a semicolon which I'm sure there are English teachers here, which means that the thought is continuing. It's not finished. So let's keep going. Most of the time we stop at verse 17. It's an incomplete. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Notice these three words, in the Spirit. Same three words the Apostle Paul used in Corinthians over and over and over, describing prayer in tongues. In the Spirit. Supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And when you compare that with 1 Corinthians 14, 2, where you are privately praying, here's what's happening when you are privately praying in the Holy Spirit. You are being protected and you are being provided for. Why? The armor's showing up. The armor's being strengthened and edified in you. You, it says praying with all supplication in the spirit. Supplication means I'm asking God for your supply in my life. You are being protected and you are being provided for. Man, who doesn't want that in their life? Don't reject a gift or a benefit that comes from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look what Jude verse 20 says. But you beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Compare that to verse 4 in chapter 14, which says he edifies himself. What is this saying? It's the benefit. And, and and I can I just ask this question of everybody in here. If God is looking at you today saying, I want to build you up. How many of you would look back and just say, no thanks? No thanks. No, it's a benefit that you get built up in your faith. How many of you don't want to waver anymore between two opinions? How I many you want to walk in strength and faith? And I tell you what, the world can go whatever way, America can go whatever way, but man, when believers are baptized in His presence, we're going to stand as the light of a world, even in a dark place. And I'm telling you, the key to this is getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving every benefit that He has given to sons and daughters. And you get in that prayer place and you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and you just get built up and you get protected, and you get supplied for. It is a benefit. I don't know, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I hope that there's a hunger awakening in you right now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not weird. It's rare. Gold is not weird. It's rare. Diamonds are not weird. They are rare, which makes them valuable. We need to be built up. Lastly, as a, uh, I want to I share this with you because we've got to dispel some of the, the thoughts, is uh, the grace of tongues is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have the opportunity to pray in tongues. Now, uh, um, there were were these disciples in Acts 19, and we're going to read this story together. It's a fascinating story. And you're going to understand in a greater dimension what I mean by opportunity. It says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let that sit. So they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's the church I grew up in. I didn't know. I really didn't. I knew about God the Father. And I knew about Jesus. And I knew about Abraham. And I knew about Moses. And I knew about Isaac. I knew about Jacob. But we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? Into John's baptism. He said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who came after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized, that means in water, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about... Twelve in all. I I do want just to note something here. Acts 19 is happening a long time after Pentecost. Decades. Decades have passed since Pentecost. And now they've they've received Christ. Paul lays hands on them, and out of them comes tongues and prophecy, just as it did in the very beginning. Now uh, I want you to also note this. All of them received it. All of them. Because we, we just because of one verse it says, Do all speak with tongues? And the implied answer is no. We, we haven't understand, uh, understood that what that is talking about is we'll all stand up in front of a congregation and deliver a message in another language that demands interpretation. That is what that's talking about. It's not talking about the grace of tongues that is for every believer. The grace of tongues is for every believer, everyone In the upper room, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everyone in Acts chapter 4 got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everyone in Acts chapter 8, everyone in Acts chapter 10, and everyone in Acts chapter 19. Every single one of them was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's not one, one, uh, one recorded moment where people were left out. It's each and every. Now, I want you to see this it's an opportunity. Notice 1 Corinthians 14 14, it says, For if I pray. Did you see this? If, if it denotes partnership, that I willingly align my will with God's will, that I choose. To partner with God by praying in the Holy Spirit. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit fr- prays, but my, my understanding is unfruitful. What's my conclusion then? I will. Notice that. I will pray in the Spirit. He's saying, I will. That means it's a choice of the will. Some people think that the baptism in the Holy Spirit or or praying in, in tongues is is uh, it, it's just a moment where you're overwhelmed that you lose all cognitive ability and that and that you know you're never going to remember that moment that you'll have no that the archangel Michael is going to come down and he's going to smack your tongue with his sword and then you're going to start speaking. That's actually not what happens. It's not what happens. You know the devil is looking for people to possess. God is looking for partners. The devil wants ownership. God wants sons and daughters. People who choose to walk with their father. He says, I will. It's an opportunity. You say, man, I I prayed in tongues one time when when someone uh, prayed over. We get all kinds of ideas. They're interjected from all kinds of places. Could be Hollywood, could be anywhere. We get all of these ideas and we build these walls. And I just want to say why would the Apostle Paul give instructions on how and when if we didn't have a choice? That's what this whole thing is about. The how and the when of the grace of tongues is to operate. We have a choice. And it's an opportunity to be edified and it's an opportunity to be supplied for and it's an opportunity to partner with god now um some of you uh may have some concerns about this kind of thing because like me i grew up in a very very conservative missionary baptist church i loved it it gave me such a great foundation uh i learned every bible story there uh, I, I I didn't know it, but, you know, uh, I didn't know that we were really exercising when we were singing Father Abraham. I didn't know why we sang it every week. I figured it out now that I'm adult. It's because the kids have too much energy. They're like, sing it again, sing it again, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, okay? We're dancing, moving around, sweating, breathing hard, and they're like, finally, just sit down, Okay? But but I I didn't grow up in a church that fostered things of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I grew up in a church that actually said that those things were the devil. That's what I heard. And um and, and so you just stay away from miracles, you stay away from those things. We listen, never in all the years that we attended that church, not one sermon on this passage. Not one. Just entire past, entire portions of the Bible just skipped over. And I, I want to say, it, it marked me as a young man because I'll never forget at 12 years old, we ended up in one of those churches. And I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget it. Because as a young man, I really did want to love God. 12 years old, I walked into this place and I saw this this greeter, usher, gray beard, looked like a granddad. And I'm walking in with my mom and my two younger sisters and we're walking into this service and it was the first time that I can remember feeling the love of heaven. Coming from a man, and it was this fast. I walked in, and he smiled and said, "Come here, son." And he hugged me, and I felt something was different in that place. It was different. It felt authentic. And at the end of that service, they they asked if anybody. Uh, wanted to give their life to Christ. Well, at 12, I had been saved half of my life. But then they asked for something that I had never heard of. They said, now, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you've never received that prayer language, um, then we want you to come. I'm like, well, I'm saved. Why not? And so I go down front, I have no idea about what's going to happen. They begin to pray over me. And I begin to hear this language on the inside. And you know what I heard? Every voice that I had ever heard for the first 12 years of my life, that is the devil. And you know what I did? There was no way I was speaking out what I was, going, what I was hearing. 12 years old. Th- bizarre things begin to happen. Like, I would know things. I didn't know about the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. As a young man, I would know things by God's Spirit. Had my, my, my best friend would, would tell me. Was, we, we did this. It was a bizarre, perverted thing. He would say, tell me what time it is. Because he recognized that God would tell me things from time to time. And sure enough, it would happen, and he would freak out. And then we would just keep, you know, doing whatever we were doing. I had no idea. But at age 21, when God's Spirit fell on me in a Bob Evans of all places, I recognized that Spirit. And literally from age 12 to age 21, something had been capped up, dammed up inside of me because of my own concerns and the the things that I had heard my whole life. But when God's power came on me over a bowl of five-way chili, I stopped caring about all those other things that I had heard all my life. I really just wanted God. That night at age 21, I literally left that place shaking, trembling, and praying in other tongues. They didn't ask for me. They didn't pray for me to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It, it happened at age 12, but I had walls built up. And can I, can I just tell you what happens when walls get built up in a person's life? God sends an army to march around them in silence. And people start to pray and say, God, I'm ask that You tear down every wall. See, Jericho was the first city in the Promised Land, and it was wholly devoted to God. I believe that when all of our walls come down, We get wholly devoted to God and that God's Spirit comes rushing in. And I know that that you're 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 like me probably, you know, and you think, you know, well, if I pray for this baptism in the Holy Spirit, what what if I get a demon? You know, it's exactly as if Jesus knew that question was going to be asked. Listen Listen to Luke chapter. 10, he says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall shall hurt you. Now, by the way, that's not talking about literal snakes and literal scorpions, although we have both here in Florida. That That is making an analogy to demons. Look at Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 11. He says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Listen, a serpent. Do you see that? A serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a what? A scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him. You're not going to get a demon if you are asking for the Holy Spirit. It is not going to happen. Our Father is good. And he knows how to give you a good gift. And listen to me, the Holy Spirit is the best gift. He is the gift necessary to live out the life that he has for us on this planet. Well, why why is this one met with such resistance? I think it's an enemy's plan. That's what I think. James 3, I think, gives us just a peek into why there's such resistance. And it says this, it says, but no man can tame the tongue for it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I believe that's rightly said. No man can tame it. But God can tame it. But God can tame it. And who is the Holy Spirit? God. God. And this is the area that is fought and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Because the last thing The devil wants is for the church to submit her tongue to the Lord. Why? Because we'll be preaching Jesus everywhere. We'll be living Mark chapter sixteen. We'll be it says, man, signs and wonders will follow them that believe. Jesus said this, by the way. In my, he says, in my, they'll speak with new tongues. Some people are like, you know, Jesus never spoke in tongues. Yeah, but He said everyone who believed in Him would. He said those signs will just follow. Let me just finish with this. 1 Corinthians 14.5. This is powerful. The Apostle Paul says this. I would, if you have King James, or I wish... You all spoke with tongues. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Can I just say as a pastor, I wish you all spoke with tongues. But here's what we'll never do here at Calvary. there There is no such thing as a second class son. And if you're seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit, amen, that's the position you take. You're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. It will never be a dividing line. I promise you. I run with more Presbyterians and Baptists and Methodists than most of you. Okay? I am with people. I promise you. I am not out arguing this theology as we're winning kids on campuses for Christ. I'm not. I'm not. You know why? Because God hasn't called me to argue. He has called me to be a living demonstration. And you and I have to learn what that means, that we can be a living demonstration of the fullness of God's Spirit. And it includes this. It's not only this. The reason that I'm teaching on it is because there's so much pushback. And church, we need a fresh baptism in God's Spirit. I hope you've enjoyed this message on the Holy Spirit from Calvary Church. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this podcast, and God bless you.